Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Thank you for this afternoon. Thank you that we have the opportunity to hear your word. Holy Spirit, speak to your people. Speak to your people. Nothing of myself, everything of you. As you know where your people are individually, you are the spirit of truth. Reveal yourself to each one of us that we will walk out of here emboldened, empowered, O oh God, to walk the victorious life. You have purpose for us in Jesus' name. Amen. This is our month of consecration. And um, God, consecration means you being set aside, something being set apart for a purpose. And I know that God is setting us apart for something greater from where we have been and for, for where we are going. God is separating us from things that would hinder us. That is why this month's theme is exceptionally important. We enjoyed divine speed in last month um, because it, it pleased God to declare that month as a month of divine speed. And we all had the testimonies of how God dealt with issues speedily. And this month of consecration, I implore you that you connect your heart. You don't say, oh, this is for something else. I, I can't see the miracle in it. I can't see um, that um, I'm going to receive my miracle. I'm going to do that because it doesn't sound like um, a declaration that will produce miracle. But in all honesty, it will produce destiny. And so connect your heart to this month of consecration. And every word you hear concerning this theme, take it as the pure word of God, the true word of God, the sure word of prophecy. And that word would yield to your benefit in Jesus' name. Amen. Why consecration? Why, why, why do we have to? Why do we have to be consecrated? What is expected of us? Consecration is such a necessary foundation in the Christian's walk. It's such a necessary foundation that each one of us must make a personal commitment to a walk of consecration. But over time, we'll um, delve a bit further into it. But consecration can be defined as a solemn dedication to a special purpose or service to make or declare something sacred, to set apart, to dedicate. So if you say you're concentrating yourself, it means that you are setting yourself apart. You are dedicating yourself onto a purpose. And which purpose is that? A purpose of working with God in all holiness. That is consecration. And First um, Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The description scripture um, gives to a believer here is a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that ye may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 
That is the description the Bible gives us, the God's word gives us, that we are called out from darkness into his marvelous light. It means we are people who are separated from darkness into the marvelous light of God. You are, you are, you are set apart from darkness and now you live in the marvelous light of God. It's not just any light, but his marvelous light. And also in Revelation chapter 5 verse 10, it says that he has made us priests and kings unto, unto our God. And this, this also emphasizes that the, whole, the, the royal priesthood, priests and kings, he's made us. He has made us unto our God. Priests and kings, a royal priesthood. And I just quickly want us to look at something in um, Exodus chapter 28, verse 41. I, when, I was, when I was meditating, and this is very interesting when I found this out. As we all know, the Old Testament is the foundation of the new. The foundation of the old had to be laid for us to have um, to really enjoy the New Testament. There are lots of things that we enjoy today, like the communion, which is stemming from the Old Testament. God laid down, he called the people out and then laid down the pattern of what he wants to do with entire humanity. But he called the people out, used them as the prototype, used them as the pattern. From that same people came Jesus Christ. And then we have now been engrafted into the family of God. So let's look at Exodus chapter 28 verse 41. And that will tell us a bit about priesthood. Priesthood. Because as yes, you read, we are a royal priesthood. Is, is, there, is there a priest in the house? You might not think like you're a priest, but you are. You are. It's necessary you know these things. Because sometimes you, you, think, you're, you think of yourself as just um, a sinner um, uh, saved by grace. Um, our, a sinner who was once, there's a song that says that the saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. No, 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 that is not our identity. We are not sinners. We are actually saints. We are saints. That's your identity. So if you, can, you don't see saintly things in your life, then consecration you know, is necessary. But you are a saint. That's your status. You are a royal priesthood. You are a priest. Hallelujah. Amen. That is why it's so important. God's servant always tells us that Make your own declarations. Speak concerning your situation because the power of God is in your mouth. You are a priest. Today you found out. Shocker. What a shock. You are a priest. Okay. Exodus chapter 28 verse 41. It says that, So you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them Consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister to me as priests. So before Aaron could take on his, his position as priest and he and his sons, they were, Moses was to anoint them, consecrate them and sanctify them for them to be able to minister to God as priests. So it requires anointing, it requires consecration and it requires sanctification as a priest if you'll be able to minister to God as a priest. And we have already declared that, you've already made a point that you are a priest. Therefore, consecration is necessary. If you'll be able to walk in your priesthood, in your royal priesthood. Before David was anointed, the scriptures say that Samuel took an anointing oil, went into the house of Jesse and consecrated Jesse and his sons. Before David was anointed as king, he was first consecrated. 
first consecrated. So as priests and as kings, we require consecration. Consecration, to be able to walk, we require being set apart. We require being set apart. We require being set apart, separated from the world, from darkness into the kingdom of light, his marvelous light. And when we talk about youth, wonder, but how? But I've already, we've already established the fact that the old is a foundation for the new. So if it had to happen in the old, then it is necessary for the new. If it had, to, this is how priests were separated before they could minister, then it is necessary for the new. And G Jesus, Jesus had fulfilled everything that is in the law and in the prophets. If it wasn't necessary, then Jesus wouldn't fulfill it. So you can't ignore what is in the old. It's the full word of God. The, the scripture is whole. It comes as a whole. Old and new. And Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. So this is just to help us to see that if you are called out as a priest, then you require sanctification. You require consecration. Hallelujah. Somebody with me there? Okay, we found God. So I, I hope that you, you know that this word consecration, consecration that we speak, we don't speak just out of like just to make your life a ball. Take away all the so-called fun things. That's not the purpose for which we preach, but it's, it's necessary for you to be able to minister to God. I found out that the issue of sin can be toyed around, especially in the kingdom. Every now and then, um, you may hear a message that encourages you to stay away. That, but I've seen sin to be a very, very wicked thing. Exceptionally wicked. And anyone who will toy with sin, sin will toy with your destiny. That, that, that's just the way it is. That is, consecration is so essential for, for, for the fulfillment of destiny. You can't be in the kingdom, live anywhere, how? And expect to walk in victory. Expect to walk in your high places. Expect to be triumphant over every, every situation that you may come across. It just doesn't work like that. But every now and then, the devil is able to deceive us to think that we can get away with it. And it is very sad because we know that when we go to our Father, we confess our sins. He forgives the scriptures that he's faithful and he's just to forgive us. Because some of us know that, some of us use that as a reason that I'll confess later. I'll confess later. I have had the opportunity to sit with, with many people and they tell me some interesting things. By the grace of God, I, actually, I love that opportunity because it gives me the opportunity to walk alongst them with the word of God to make a difference. But uh, many times I see sometimes somebody goes in and out, in and out, and in and out of, you know, issues. And I see and I tell them that I think you're doing yourself great injustice, calling on God to deal with this matter. Because how many of us would see a very sick person, somebody going in and out of hospital and on the hospital bed, making plans about destiny, making phone calls, chasing contracts, doing paperwork, doing business plans and all that. It's just not real. When you are sick, all you can think of is how to be well. And is it the same way with the issue of sin? If you don't deal with it and you are back and forth, today you are caught, tomorrow you are not. Okay, I'm picking myself up. No, no, no. Today I'm caught in it. Oh, let me just do it. Let me, let me, let me, just, let me just relax. Take easy. God will forgive me. Um, it's my weakness. It's my personality. Uh, these things is very difficult for me to overcome. Guess what? 
you are toying with destiny and delaying your speed in life. You are delaying your speed in life. Sin has to be dealt with. The back of sin has to be broken. Christ has done that on the cross and you have to take every advantage to get it out of your life. To, you cannot afford to toy around sin. If you toy around sin, you are toying with your destiny. These great declarations, I receive it. It is working for me. I am working it. Roll on the floor. Do whatever. You can be praying all night, but if you don't deal with the issue of sin, as God's servant always says, sin will stop you in your tracks. I've seen great men brought down because of sin. Great men brought down because of sin. Many of us will hear all manner of stories of God's servants, different servants, different situations. And you hear it and it saddens your heart. But normally, it doesn't really convict you enough to deal with your own issues. It doesn't. It doesn't. You hear it, oh, oh what a shame, what a shame. But instead of that, using that as an, a platform to seek God's help concerning the issue, you make your own excuses for yourself. You make your excuses for yourself. I'm telling you, I have come to see it. How much it destroys. Most of our friends are pastors. So most of the conversations we have is around ministry work. It's around ministry work. People who are solely dedicated to God's work. You may have opportunity to have all manner of friends. And therefore you hear all manner of things. But some of us, we don't. But even in those circles, even in those circles, if you don't deal with the issue of sin, you you would be overtaken and it will shock you how sin will bring you along. Shame, grief, poverty, all manner of things. They're things we don't like, but we make an excuse for sin. So sin stays with us. But what we don't realize that sin is only leading us to the places we don't like. It's, that's where it's leading you. Shame, grief, disgrace, poverty, whatever, sickness. That is where sin is leading you to. But gradually, you're all constantly making an excuse for that sin. And it is, the devil is very happy. If you can just find a small excuse for that issue. Okay, let's go on. Gradually, he's leading you on to the way of distraction. Leading you, leading you. But you are still making an excuse for this little issue. Because of my temperament. Because of my personality. Because of my environment. Because of that, because of that. It's only leading you to the way of distraction. Deal with sin. It will deal with you. Stop you in your, in your tracks of destiny. Deal with it. Deal with it. You cannot afford not to live a consecrated life. You can't, as a believer, God is still a holy God. He is still a holy God. He hasn't changed. He is still a holy God. And I tell people, there are times I sit with somebody and said, oh, Pastor, I didn't, and some of it might sound a bit funny. We can crack a joke, all of that. But it, we go back to the point that, do you know that you are only denying yourself of the great opportunity God has placed in your life. That's all you're doing. It doesn't affect God. Have you realized that when you sin, the, the, uh, the impression is on you. It's never on God. Never on God. The impression is never on God. It's on you. It's on you. And I see many people go in and out, in and out, in and delve in and out, and they only are only, they're only slowing down their speed in destiny. It's slowing you down. Eventually, it will kick you out. It will kick you out of the race of destiny if you don't deal with it. So deal with sin. We see that Adam lost his heritage because of sin. Adam lost, the first man lost, lost, he just lost it. Plunged the whole of humanity onto a different path. 
because of sin. He missed it. Abraham was with Lot until Abraham was separated from Lot. Abraham had not started his journey of destiny. He had to be separated. He had to be separated. We, we all remember Daniel said, I cannot defile myself with a king's meat. He had to separate himself. What makes you think that you can do without separation? What makes you think that you are going to this glorious place without separating yourself? It doesn't work. Believers, God's children, sons of God, it doesn't work. If this is, only, if this is the only thing that can sink in today, I hope it does. It doesn't work. You are not getting to that glorious place if you are walking in sin. It does not work. Whoever lied to you that you can continue and still enjoy it, enjoy this greatness God has declared over your life, lie to you big time. It's the biggest lie of your life that you can stay in sin and still rise. It's the biggest lie of your life. It doesn't work. So, he didn't deserve to be king. The guy, when he was being, the time for him to be thrown as king, was hiding. He had no confidence. But God said, still, I will choose you. But disobedience, disobedience, issue of sin, took the kingdom away from him. Eli and his sons, the heritage, the lineage of Eli was cut short because of sin. His two sons were constantly delving in sin. They were cut short. Look, God doesn't have a problem cutting something short. He doesn't. He has many people in the city. He has many people in the city. God has many people. He has. So don't think that he, um, I'm the only one who can fulfill God's purpose. He's called you first and trusted that in your hands. But if you don't work with him, the substitutes are even better. It just by grace, he gave, you, he gave you the first opportunity. The substitute, it will shock you. How many of us have been doing God's work, have the opportunity to serve, and at a point in time you feel it's too much for me? And somebody else comes with great zeal. <laughs> the way they're doing the work makes you feel, ah, was there something that I was missing? Because <laughs> the people are way too excited. Every They do the work. Of, that is just the same way in destiny and what God is entrusting in your hands. If you don't deal with it, work with him. There's aptitude when they can think, but that's me. I'm supposed to be like that. But, and this is, this is one thing I've learned. He always loves us. That is not a question. That is not an issue. He will always love us. He loves us. We are in the kingdom. Settled. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit. We are in the kingdom. Not going anywhere. But rising in the kingdom is a different ballgame altogether. Rising on the ladder of destiny an accomplishment of purpose. It's a different story altogether. Yes, you are justified. Yes, you are justified. But if you don't go through the process of sanctification, you are going nowhere. Me too. I'm going nowhere if I don't want to go through the process of sanctification. Justified I am because of the blood of Jesus. Righteous I am because of the blood of Jesus. Sanctified, I have to go through it. So if you are, in, you are not interested in going through the process of sanctification, forget about your horizon. Yes. Forget about your horizon. It just doesn't work. Sin will strip you of your destiny. I think I've made my point. I think it's sunk in enough. Praise the Lord. <laughs> 
We thank God. But how do, how do we deal with what fights our consecration? We have to. There are things that fight our consecration. That fight us in the sanctification process. That fight us in the sanctification journey. And these things today, I, we trust God in the next few, min- the few minutes that we have, we'll look into it. And God will help us to receive understanding in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is such a significant person in our walk of sanctification. For by strength shall no man prevail. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit. This journey can be accomplished, it can be done outside the help of the Holy Spirit. How shall these things be? The Holy, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. It takes the Holy Spirit. In this Christian journey, you cannot accomplish anything, cannot accomplish anything, including consecration, outside the help of the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. Because you know yourself, don't you? You know yourself. Sometimes you actually shock yourself. <laughs> See? Could you? <laughs> you shock yourself. You think, I knew you had issues, but not like this. Sometimes eventually you, you sit yourself down and say, did you do this thing? You are, you are ashamed in your privacy. You shocked yourself. Said this one, I know we have issues, but come on. We have surpassed those issues. You shock yourself. Exactly. You sat to your twin and said, this one, I didn't know you had this in with you. You were, you were just completely shocked. And this happens to us every now and then. How much we disappoint ourselves. Forget about the next person who knows. You are exceptionally disappointed in yourself. Completely because in your, you're truly born of God. That's an indication that you're genuinely born of God. Because he who is born of God does not sin. We don't love it. We don't love it. So there's no message of condemnation. If you're a genuine believer, you cannot love sin. You cannot. It's just, it's not in your heart to do it. But you find yourself in that. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Scriptures call the Holy Spirit the spirit of holiness. The Son of God was declared as such by the spirit of holiness, by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 1 verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 13. But I said, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You can't live a spiritual life outside the the help of the Holy Spirit. It's only the Holy Spirit who can teach you. Cry on him every day. As you are rolling out of your bed, say, Holy Spirit, we got to do it today together. I need your help. Without you, I will shock myself. Yeah. Without you today, I will surprise myself. I need you. I need you. Even in the face of temptation, call on him. Ask him for strength. In the face of temptation, call on him. Don't say, the thing has already happened now. I'm so close, there's no turning back. No, 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 no. Even at that point, there's help. There's help. Call on him. Don't neglect that opportunity. Don't neglect. Sometimes the flesh, your flesh will lie to you that you are at a point of no return. But you are not if you can call on the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how close you are. If you can call on the Holy Spirit, it will surprise you the level of strength he will give you. He will give you enough strength to walk away. And then we'll deal with how, how you got there. But the first thing is for you to be rescued. Joseph had to flee. 
The scripture, the word the scripture uses, flee, run away. Some of us, we are toying, okay, dancing around sin, playing with sin, just touching, okay, is it sin? Let me touch the, hey, sin. Okay, hey, is that how it looks like? Hey, sin, oh, wow. You are toying with it. Scripture says flee. Flee means run. If you have to run without your shoes, do it. Because it's after your destiny. It's after your anointing. It's after your honor. Run. Run. There's no shame in running away from sin. There's no shame in running away from sin. No shame. Don't feel I am the superman. I can deal with it. The way it will shock you, how sin will slay you down. It will shock you. I encourage you. Run. But God knows what he's saying when he says, flee. Flee. You can imagine if Joseph had stayed around Potiphar's wife. A guy of that status, you can imagine the sophistication of his wife. Very sophisticated. I'm sure they make up, even YouTube can't give a tutorial on it. It's not possible. Women like that would be bathed in all manner of spices. Yes, special spices. When they go past you, just the smell is enough to slay you. Just is enough to slay you. And the woman like this came and said, let's have a go. Let's have a go. And you are saying, hey, I didn't know your body was this soft. So your eyes, how do you do it? You are gradually tripping. You are walking into the abyss of sin. You just don't know what is going on. With all manner of dressing. Okay. He thought, if I stay around this, I'm in trouble. Because I'm sure he could feel in his body. Things were reacting quickly. He said, if I don't deal with this thing, this thing will deal with me. No, 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 no. What did he do? What did he do? What did he do? In today's word, we will say, run. What did he do? What did he do? He found God for that testimony. He ran. Don't toy with it. It will mess you up. So you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You need it. Without it, you cannot. You just cannot do it. Call on him at every given time. Doesn't matter how close and how much you feel you are under the pressure of sin. Call on the Holy Spirit and, it, and strength will come. How do we, the, so we, basically we can't fight sin outside the help of the Holy Spirit. So we have made it clear and you have to constantly be conscious of the Holy Spirit, conscious of his presence and also more importantly, conscious of his help. The help that he can deliver to you and call on him. But these are things that in ourselves will fight consecration. The first point I have here is spiritual laxity. Spiritual laxity. Lack of fervency in your spiritual walk. Lack of fervency in your spiritual walk. Lack of fervency in your worship. Serving God lackadaisically. Doing it as you feel like. As and when. Serving God without any sense of purpose. Not putting seriousness in your worship. Today you are in, tomorrow you are out. Today you are in, tomorrow you are out. Yesterday I prayed for 30 minutes, so I think it can take me for three days. I spread it 10, 10, 10, 10 minutes. So I can do without today's prayer. That manner of attitude towards your spirituality 
will eat up your consecration. God's servant always says that spirituality is not a permanent possession. It has to be worked on on a daily basis. Worked on on a daily basis. Worked on on a daily basis. You have to serve God with fervency. Exceptionally purposeful about your service to God and how you are how you're working with God. It has to be your number one priority. Nothing else can be more important than your work with God. Not even your spouse or your children can be more important than your work with God. Between the two of us, myself and God's servant, we've just made a declaration. We understand each other. I agree, God is more important to him. He agrees, God is more important to me. It's just a thing that we have that understanding. Our relationship can't come in between our relationship with God. No, no, no. I'm not that important. I'm very important, but not important enough to be in between him and God. And it's the same way. It's the same the other way around. We just have that understanding. Some of us have made our children as gods. They are untouchable. They are decorated and put in some glass, whatever. Glass cathedrals, isn't it? They can't be touched. As for when it comes to me and my children, even God has to step aside. Ah, you are saying, hey, but it's in your actions. Not necessarily in your, it's in your actions. It's in your actions. So when you say it, it sounds so strange. Ah, it can't be, can't be, can't be. But it's in your actions. Just put your children, way, way. How much the word of God is a priority, even as, as you bring your children up. It tells you that God is not that important. Your children, for your children to have their way is more important to you. For your children to be happy is more important to you than what God says concerning that particular situation. So anytime in dealing with your children, God's word is not a priority. You've made that statement. It just didn't make it by words, but in your actions. God's word and God must be paramount across the board. Your job. As for that one, I just can't even understand if you're a Christian and you understand who God is in your life, what manager? I, 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 honestly, that, beats, that just beats me. How people will put their job and their managers. They've made gods out of their managers. And funny enough, soon a year down the line, your manager says, oh, I've got another job. And they've moved on. You wonder what happened. <laughs> they've got another job and they moved on. That's how important you are. Really? That's, really, that's how important you are. But if you can make God your priority and your walk with him a priority, it will surprise you the realms in which you would walk. Nothing. Just sink it deep that your relationship with God is the most important relationship here on earth and in eternity. Full stop. But me and God, if I'm building on that relationship, that relationship is forever. In eternity, God is, he is my lover. This is here on earth. You know, in my introduction, I said that I hope we die together or Christ comes and we all go together. As soon as we step out of earth and into eternity, he's just a brother. He's just a sister. Make a God out of your husband. Make a God out of your wife. You will see when we get to eternity. You see, I've missed out big time. I believe in marriage. I enjoy marriage. I believe in having children. I enjoy having children. I believe in succeeding, doing well, 
doing well in your profession, having that victorious life, all around, society, prestige, everything, riches. I believe in all that. It is our place, it's our heritage. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We, it's, it's, it's in our DNA. God has given it to us. He said, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as an inheritance, the ends of the earth, as a heritage. What, what, what is it? We have it. Riches is, is, is ours. But God is far more important than all these things that I've made. And it has to be in your actions and it has to be in your daily living. Daily living. Daily living. Remind yourself that God is more important. My relationship with God is eternity. I'm building on it now and it will continue in eternity. Every other relationship will be stopped here on earth. As soon as we exit from earth, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. Put your priorities right. Make your priorities right. Set them in proper order. Put them in proper perspective. Put them in proper perspective. God is most important. Scriptures say that serve the Lord with gladness. Let your walk with God bring you joy. Let it be the most exciting thing in your life. That I serve God. That I walk with God. Let it be your greatest joy. That Christ found me and I have a relationship with the eternal father. That should be your greatest joy on a daily basis. So it doesn't matter what you're facing. I have God on my side. I have a relationship with him. I have a relationship with him. I have a relationship with him. That's far more important. By far. It can't be compared. Nothing can, can be put aside to that. Nothing. So set your priorities right. And let's take away laxity in us, our walk with God. Let's take it out. We heard our mama when she was giving her testimony. She said that I was not feeling too well. But a sister came to me and said, my sister said to me, let's go. Look at her age. Some of us, for all manner of reasons, today I feel tired. Today, they, they, can't be bothered. Mm -hmm. Make all manner of excuses. Mm -hmm. You're so sensitive. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't say, I, I got to, I got to, I got to. I can't help myself. I can't help myself. Oh, please, 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 please. Why, 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 why? This is such a bother. This is such a pain. Seven God is too much. Uh -uh. Please, Christian sisters, leave me alone. Christian brothers, leave me Don't call me. I'm in my moment. I'm in my mood. Please, I'm not interested. Leave me alone. But she, when her sister came, she said, I picked myself up, came into the presence of God. She knew it was going to be six hours of prayer with pain in her throat. But because God saw her faithfulness, as soon as she got here, as soon as God's servant came, he said, I know your heart. Let me take the pain away. Take, take it out. Lags it in your, in your walk with God. Take it out. It will help you. The second point I have is a loose tongue. A loose tongue. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Let your speech always be with grace. When we say something is with grace, it's with honor. When we say somebody is gracious, the person is so honorable. Let your speech be seasoned, always be with grace. How we talk, how we talk as believers, God's children, is so important. Your tongue can take you away from your consecrated life. The things you say, some of us, are, it's, it can be so coarse that it will, your Christian sister will be shocked. So we say it at work. We say it at other places. Sometimes we say it on the bus. It, it, uh, those ones you don't, you don't want anybody to know or see. 
Sometimes even in our privacy, we say them. Something happens and the, th- the first thing that comes out of your mouth is a swear word. You said, oh, <laughs> oh, I don't even know how that one came out. It's deep in your heart. God forgive you. <laughs> mercy, mercy, we need it. It said your word should be seasoned with grace. As a believer, you should be gracious in your words. Gracious. People don't come around you and feel like, what kind of Christianity is this? Because of your speech. They are put off by your speech. The things you're able to say, the things that is able to come out of your mouth. It's a shame and a disgrace to your core. It will take away your sanctification. It will take away your consecration. It doesn't depict a person of holiness. Deal with that. That's loose tongue. That loose tongue, deal with it. It's, it's bringing you shame and disgrace. Why do you have to tell a, fellow, a, a, a male teller you look sexy? Sexy for what? It's a sign of exceptional low self-esteem. Exceptional low You are virtually on the floor. You need Jesus to really pick you up. Sort yourself out in God's word. Let God's word define who you are. Not somebody's compliment. It, it can't be that cheap that it takes another woman's husband to let you know that you are fine. Why? You don't need it. A brother who is not interested in you is passing loose comments around you and you're like, what? <laughs> Rebuke him. Tell him. Why? Are you not sure of who you are? Don't you know what God has made you? Who he has made you? Don't you know? Find yourself in the scriptures. And you realize that actually those are, they are lies. They are lies from the pits of hell. Leading you to the way of destruction. By the time you're going home, it's all in your head. Hey, did he say that? Did he say that? Hey, let me check myself. Let me check myself. Ah. No. Next time you're coming to church, you're thinking about him. Would he like this? Would he like that? Oh, yes. It's true. It's true. If somebody compliments you, somebody you really like, you respect, whatever, compliments you about this, next time you say, oh, maybe, maybe it's best if I wear this. I have to stop wearing this thing. Because the other time, when I wore the other, he said I was looking nice. Find yourself in the scriptures and move on, girl. A level of confidence and high it will give you. No man can give you that. I'm a married woman, my husband compliments me, but the word of God puts me far above than anything that any person can tell me. I walk with confidence because of who God has told me that I am. It makes all the difference in my life. Of course, it's very nice for my husband to say, you look nice and all of that, but he's not saying, should I go out or listen for it? No, I'm above that. God tells me. I can find it every day in his word. I can find whenever I want. I can go to it to say that, Lord, what are you saying about me? Find that out. Walk with it. Let that be your backbone. Let that be your inner strength. In Jesus' name, he's helping us. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good, what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to your hearers. 
impart grace to your hearers. What you say should impart grace to your hearers. For some of us, these are new scriptures because we are used to other scriptures. But this is a necessary part of our work, especially our work of consecration. So let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. It shouldn't come out of your mouth. It shouldn't be heard that you said this. It shouldn't be. Is that, is that a benefit to your brother? Is that a benefit to your hearer? How is it helping them? How is it helping them what you're saying? If you know it's not, we find that a lot in gossiping. You say things under the guise of whatever. Did you hear this? Did you hear that? But it's, it's, a, it's corrupt. It's unnecessary. It's not building. It's not doing anything. Not glorifying God. Cease from that and impart grace to your hearers. When people leave your presence, they say, I am so encouraged. I am so fired up. And you think, are you that a ball? You have nothing else to say. Oh, but you are working destiny. Oh, you're making a difference. When you say you're making a difference, it's not only when you've gotten to the top of the career ladder, but when a person comes to you, they will receive grace through your words. It will make a difference in their lives. You are changing lives because of the words you say. It's an opportunity to make impacts. Rather, you take it out and just talk loosely. You corrupt words and necessary things proceeding out of your mouth. It is not, it's not of God. It will attack your sanctification. It will attack your consecration. Evil association. Evil association. Our third point. Evil association. It will spoil your consecration testimony. The people you hang about with, the people you sit with, the people you talk to, the people who you find, you find um, relaxation with, very necessary. Some of us are busy relaxing on the bed of sin, busy relaxing on the laps of evil people, people who have nothing to do with God. They have nothing to do with God, but they are your confidants. People who don't pray, who are not interested in the word of God, they are the ones you talk to the most. It will spoil your consecration because they don't get it. They don't get it. And it's not their fault. It is you who have carried your holy self and joined yourselves to them. But really, it is, how can you have your best friend not be in church, not be in, 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 in relationship with God, and you call that person your best friend? They are the ones who know all your inside matters. It can't be. Some of us have one front and we have another front when we are out of church. Some of us, we, on our Facebook, the people we see, you, 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 you have no clue. Say, are they Christians? What? You have no clue. It, has, it doesn't show Christ in any way. In any way. So this one's we've been from primary school. So you are following them to hell too. Because we were in primary school together. We've been friends for long. Now God has separated. He said, oh, I can't leave this one. It will spoil your consecration. It will spoil your consecration. They will lead you into trouble. They will lead you into trouble. In Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, it says that, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't listen to the advice of the ungodly. Bible calls you Blessed. You don't pick a phone and discuss matters with people who, are not, who have no relationship with God. The ungodly. Bible calls you blessed. So don't go around with a tag, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. And then you are taking the counsel of the ungodly. You are nullifying it. You are nullifying it. Because Bible, the people Bible call blessed, God calls blessed, is the people who don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You walk with them. You send them out on errand to do your secret things. 
they do your spying for you. That's where you are, you know, you're holy, you can't do this. But please go check him out for me. Oh, what do you think? Go check him out. You are walking in the council of the ungodly. Bible doesn't call you blessed. No stand. So you were walking. Now you've stood. Have they not got to your attention now? You've stood. You've, you've delayed destiny. You are now standing in the way of sinners. Standing with sinners. Before you were making movements. Because you're constantly hearing the counsel of the ungodly. It's called you to now stand. You've stopped the process. You are now standing to take more in from sinners. Move from ungodly to sinners. Oh, after that you took a seat. <laughs> from walking, you now stood. You said, okay, please bring me chair. What you're saying is very interesting. I never heard though. Hey, really? You have taken a seat. Here, let me hear more. Your ears are tickling. Wow. So these things do happen. He says, that person is not called blessed. You are not called blessed. You are not called blessed. It will take away your testimony of consecration to take it away. Don't walk with the ungodly. Don't stand with sinners and don't sit in the seat of the scornful. It will steal your testimony. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33. It says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good manners. Some of us believe that we are wiser than the scriptures. We are wiser than God's word. So we will still keep our evil company and believe that our good manners will never be affected. But it's a lie. It's a lie. They are having trickles of way in. Eventually, you make major decisions based on the company you have. He said, don't be deceived. It's a deception. If you think that you can have evil company and your good manners not be corrupted. It's a deception. And the devil is a master of deception. So deal with it. Make sure that your association or associations moving you towards God. Moving you towards God. When you speak, when you sit, when you do coffee, when you do lunch, when you do breakfast, the things you talk about, they are things that are godly things. Encouraging you. Um, iron sharpening iron. Iron sharpening iron. Making progress in your work with God. Let that be your priority. Any relationship that doesn't encourage you in that, know that that relationship has come to, it has to be terminated. It's come to its expiry date. It has expired. Long time. Deal with it. I remember years ago, there was a debate. We were very young. And there was a debate about um, when you become a Christian, do you have to um, neglect your old friends? And there were people who were saying that you don't because it is an opportunity for evangelism, all of that. Well, the people who argued that, most of them are well backsliding people today. Well, 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 well backsliding people. And those who, were, who said, let me just find my footing in Christ. When the opportunity come, I won't keep that company. But when the opportunity come, I'll definitely speak Christ. My life will be an enough testimony to convict them with the help of the Holy Spirit. They are soaring high in the kingdom. You can't keep, the Bible scripture says you can't keep fire in your bosom and not be bent. You can't. That's why I said don't be deceived. It's a deception that you can keep evil company and still keep your good manners. It doesn't work. God is saying it. He's been before you and he's here after you. And that's what he said. Well, it's up to you whether you will take it or leave it. But today I know that grace is coming. 
Some of us are walking away from those companies in the name of Jesus. Some of us are walking away from those companies in the name of Jesus. And it will show in our lives and our growth and our, our pursuit of God in Jesus' name. Another key thing, we'll, we'll, we'll move on very quickly. In 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 4, it said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will, heal, I will, heal, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Prayerlessness. Consecration is birth at the place of prayer. It's not because of willpower. It doesn't take willpower for you to walk a consecrated life, live a consecrated life. It's at a place of humility in prayer that God will break you, will break that stronghold in your life with a humble heart, with a meek spirit, going before God, constantly say, Lord, without you, I can't do it. Prayer. Prayer. God's servant has taught us for over and over and over again that the most effective prayer is when you're coming out of your prayer closet. God has given instructions concerning your own self. That is the most effective prayer. That you've heard God concerning issues that needs to be taken out. That is the most effective prayer. Prayerlessness will steal a consecrated life. It will eat into your consecrated life because that is your engine of power. That's where you generate power. That's where you generate power. So if you are not in the closet of prayer, as I said earlier on, you will shock yourself what you will do. Prayer. Pray every day. Even when um, our Lord and Savior Jesus was teaching us the Lord's Prayer. He, he said, in prayer, say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In prayer. In prayer. So if you are faced with temptation, you pray. And then you flee. But if you're not praying, it's honestly, I've seen it too, for, too often. When prayerlessness is kicked in, your consecration is on its way out. It's following your prayerlessness. Your consecration follows your prayerlessness out of your life. You got to pray. You got to see God's face. You got to pray. He said he will heal your land, but it is at the place of prayer. That place of wholeness, that place of a, a rich relationship with God is at the place of prayer. It is birth at the place of prayer. Wordlessness, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart, that I may not sin against thee. How shall, verse 9 says, How shall a young man cleanse his ways? It takes the word of God hidden in your heart. You hold it as such a great treasure. So you don't hear the word, you don't read it, and then you, as soon as you step out from your place of reading or studying, you forget it. It's not a treasure to you. Most of us, we know exactly where we place all our, especially ladies, you know where you place all your precious jewels. You know. You can't be fooled. You know when, you, when you've got some money, you know where you keep it. Everything that is precious to you, you have a place where you have to put it. The same, the word of God, hide it in your heart. Let it be a treasure for you. I read God's word today and it is a treasure for me. I've hidden in my heart and on that premise, I will not sin against God. I will not sin against God because God's word is a treasure. I hide it. I don't just read it and throw it away. We know the parable of the sower. 
Someone, when the word comes, is some falls on the path, some falls on the shallow ground, some falls on the rocky ground, and some fall on good soil. It's only the word that falls on the good soil, which is a good heart, that would yield that increase. Some in 30, some in 60, some in 100. Outside of that, the word that falls in it doesn't yield the results that we expect. So the word of God, you have to treasure God's word. Even if it's one scripture you read, that is more than enough to keep you for that day. Treasure it. It's, it does not necessarily in the multitude in the multitude of the verses, but it's how much treasure you put on that, how much you keep in your heart to live it. That is where it generates power. That is where it generates power. So even if it's two verses, three verses, one chapter, you read it. Let it be in your heart. That is how you not sin against God. Habits. Habits. This is a um, common statement. The secret of a man's success or failure is in their daily habits. The secret of a man's success or failure is in their daily habits. In scripture, we know that Jesus, well before day, the break of day, will go and pray. Daniel had a custom to pray at a certain time. It was his habit. So because of those habits, the things you continually do, we know it takes about three weeks, 21 days and more, 28 days to build up a habit. Some of us, we've got habits for years and we haven't sought God to break those habits and those habits every now and then are eating into our consecrated life. You know them. There are so many of them I may not be able to. All manner of habits. All manner that is eating away your consecration. Is it taking it away? Is stealing from you. And you know. You know it. You know it's in the line. Every now and then you just can't. You don't know how just how much you are so wired to lie. You can't understand. You just, the immediate answer that comes out is a lie. Before it's okay, 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 okay. Because it's a habit. You've done it over and over and over and over. Now that is, that is your first resort. It has to be broken. It has to be broken. It has to be broken. Some of us have all like strange habits. Strange habits. Strange habits. God's event has been hitting on it. Pornography, deal with it. Sexual issues, deal with it. It is spoiling your consecrated testimony. It's just spoiling it. It's taking it away. It's eroding it. Deal with it. Because the truth is, look, this is some of the things I've learned. By God's grace, the opportunity to sit with people has taught me a lot. This is the funny thing about pornography. And I, I, I always say that, look, you go and watch something. Even when you repent and God has give, forgiven you, don't you remember them? <laughs> exactly. You do, God has forgiven you. But every now and then the devil pops out. Push you an image. Oh, wow. I thought, but because you exposed yourself to it in the first place. So it has now entered your life. It will be a battle to take it out. Even though God has forgiven you, you are now becoming a slave to it. It will pop up. It's like, you know when you have pop-ups on your computer? You don't know when. You are busy praying and boom. Oh. I thought this thing was gone. But you expose yourself to it in the first place. So that's why I said, why bring this torment? Why? It's enslaving you. you it ain't even your dreams. Oh, you, could, you, you dreamt you were asleep. But the devil used it against you. By the time you realize, what happened to me in this bed? Is it, 
It's not worth it. Honestly, it's not worth it. Wherever you are, stop it. Because the more you add, the more pictures the devil has to use. So, <laughs> wherever you've gotten to, <laughs> just put a complete halt to it. Yeah. Put a complete halt to it. And now believe God to break the back of that thing. Where you are so free that if the devil even tries to pop it, I say, could look at him. This is old news. It doesn't look like I, what, what makes you think I'm going to fall to this? Go forbid I'm above that because the back of sin has been broken. But the more you allow yourself to be lured back in, you are just building an archive for the devil. You are building archive. You're building archive. The devil has a variety of things to pop up in your brains. In your heart, in your imagination. He's just every you are just giving him ammunition. Deal with it. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse one. These these scriptures are so necessary for you to see for yourself. Because some of us are new in the kingdom and you haven't seen them. Oh, you knew where you were blessed, you're a son, you're an heir, you were very excited about it. These ones are also in the word of God. You have to see it for yourself. He said, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Most of us, the fear of God is run out of our lives. You don't fear God. It's, oh, yeah, God is a loving God. Uh, he, will, he will sort me out. Oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll, I'll confess later. You don't fear God. Please. Serve God with reverence. It's not only when we are worshiping that you fall down. It's oh, la, 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 la. oh, I see all the glory. And when you get up, your life doesn't reflect that. No. Fear God. Fear God. Even though he's your loving father, fear him. Re when we say fear him, it's not that he's going to strike you, but you reverence him. You reverence him as the most high. As the most high, the owner of the universe, he created me. He is in charge of the whole world. The whole earth is under his control. Fear him. Reverence God. Serve him with that attitude. That God, I, you are so high and awesome. Have that in your walk, in your daily walk. Some of us, we've become so familiar with God and his house. So familiar that we walk in and out. Our relationship, there is no reverence for God. And his word, no proper regard for his instructions. No proper regard for his instructions. Oh yeah, I know, I know he's in the Bible, I know he's in the Bible. Forgetting that that is the pure word of God. That is the very word of God. You can't, when people, it's so-called important, even sometimes when your friends say things, you are afraid to do contrary because my friend, I'm, I'm, I don't want to disappoint my friend. Oh, I don't want him to think that I did something contrary to what they said. How much more God, most high, the eternal king, king of kings, lord of lords. These are not only words we use for worship. It's a lifestyle. And the reverence we approach him with. He's my loving father, but I so honor him. It should go hand in hand. Not that I is my loving father, so I could care less. You have a lackadaisical like, attitude. You, you don't, oh, whatever, whatever. Isn't that Oh, yeah, I know, I know. No. Have an attitude of reverence to God. He's so mighty, yet has come down so low for you. Give him that honor. In your living, I'm not saying only in songs, in your living. 
in your living. Your songs must translate to your life. It has to. That is when, when you are somewhere in Babylon, you say, sing as the songs of Zion. Because it's your life. It's your life. They know when you open your mouth, the songs of Zion will bring healing. It's your life. It's your living. Check those habits. They are pulling you down on a very fast rate. You just haven't taken notice. How much is bringing you down? Your thought life, I will end on this. That is your secret life. Jesus made it very, very clear that if a man will look at another woman and desire that woman, that person, the man has already committed adultery. That is how basic Jesus defined it. Your thought life. Your thought life. It's so important because really, as you build your thought life, eventually it will become your reality. Whatever you are building in your thought life, whatever you are meditating on, it will pop out at a time you don't expect. You think it's in the secrecy and that nobody would know. God is the judge of all. He sees that. Reverence God in your thought life. They may pass through, but you kick them out. They may pass through by kicking. Just as I was saying, some of us who have, because of whatever past experiences, things may come to our memory, but you don't dwell on them. That's not when you sit down and say, okay, let me give five minutes to these thoughts and dwell on it. That's not when. The scripture says in James that, James chapter 1, that a man is, is tempted by his own desires. You're drawn by your own desires. But it starts with the thoughts. It starts with the thoughts. Most of us are very strange when the God should pull your thoughts life and put you by this. Nobody can reconcile the two of you. You are a stranger. They can't. But these are things you're dwelling on. Dwelling on. Sometimes you feed on it and you smile. The devil is tricking you. <laughs> you are smiling at the face. Honestly. Deal with your thoughts life. Dis genuine discipline starts with your thoughts life. Where nobody knows what is going on. Because most of us, of course, are very conscious about our image. There are certain things we won't do because somebody would know. So that is, that is enough to prevent us from doing certain things. But your thoughts, where you think nobody knows, we are more concerned about what other human beings think of us more than what God thinks of you. Remember, he's an eternal judge. No man can truly judge you. But God, he is the one who can judge you. You know, so please deal with your thoughts life. I've realized that for years and years, speaking to people, many things start from the thoughts. You didn't discipline yourself in your thoughts life. You're allowed to dwell. You dwelt on it, dwelt on it, dwelt on it. It goes over. You wake up, do other things, knowing that you're free. Nobody knows about us. And it comes back again. And you dwell on it. It comes like eventually, it begins to start into action. Eventually, you don't know how it happened, but it turns into action. So, brethren... It starts from your thought life. Have a consecrated thought life. Your thought life is consecrated to God. It's brought under the spirit of consecration, the spirit of holiness. Bring it. If you can deal with your thought life, I bet you you surprise yourself. How many things have lost taste? How many things have... You've forgotten that those things exist. It's not an issue for you anymore because you've dealt with it at the source. At the source. It starts with your thoughts. Man, be disciplined with your thoughts. Be harsh on yourself in the thoughts. And you wouldn't need to be harsh on yourself in your actions. 
If you are harsh on yourself in your thoughts, you wouldn't need to be harsh on yourself in your actions. You don't need it. Deal with your thoughts life. Be holy in your thoughts. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. It tells us exactly the things we need to think of. If they were not important, scriptures wouldn't have said that. That is, in, is, is important. What you think about tells us clearly what you think about is important. So deal with it. Also in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 6, it talks about the weapons of our warfare, they are, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And it talks about imaginations. You pull down imaginations. Imagine the things you imagine, your thoughts, life, very necessary. Shut the voice of the devil in your mind. Shut it down. And you see how triumphant you're going to be. And um, as we walk in this consecrated life, why don't you just give God a hand and say, Lord, I pray. Just begin to pray very briefly and say, Lord, thank you for your word that has come. And I ask you for grace to live this life because it has pleased you that Lord you've called me and you have called me to a life of holiness I'm indeed a royal priest to the holy nation that you will have the grace to minister to you as you have purpose for me in the mighty name of Jesus hallelujah if you are not saved you are not safe because life is dangerous life is not under your command I don't see why I should end this service without giving you an opportunity to say yes Lord pastor pray with me because I want to have this bread it means I want to put all my confidence in him all my hope in him I want to give my life to Jesus if that is your genuine desire just lift up your hand and say this after me say it genuinely from your heart say Lord Jesus I know I'm a sinner I've sinned against you I ask you to forgive my sins. Wash me with your blood. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross to save me. From today, I will serve you. I believe in you. I put all my hope in you. I put my faith in you as my Lord and personal Savior. I receive you into my life. I make a vow with you that I will serve you all the days of my life. Satan, get behind me. I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Your word says that you know your sheep and your sheep know your voice. No one can come to you except your father brings him. I pray that let your grace be upon them. Help them to be strong. I pray that the grace of God will come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and help you to be a strong Christian. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.